you again for your word. We thank you that you've not left us in the dark. We thank you that you've revealed yourself, who you're like, who you are. You reveal to us our Saviour, Jesus Christ, and uh, you've inspired this word by your Spirit, and we do pray that your Spirit now would enlighten us to understand it for your glory and your name. Amen. Uh, uh, we've got this uh, uh, passage in Daniel 7 that we've read. We've been going through it with the Turks, actually, and so it's still in my mind, and we've got to this chapter, chapter 7, uh, which is not historically going through Daniel, uh, up to chapter 6, it's all historical. This is talking back to a, a previous time. And it's a book with f familiar stories, stories that you all know. If I asked you what's in the book of Daniel, nearly all of you would say something like Daniel and the lions, the, the, the lion's den, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Or you'll say something like there's a statue of gold and there was a other statue. And you talk about Nebuchadnezzar and you talk about these sorts of things. You all know. And you'd be able to say an awful lot about the book of Daniel. Uh, uh, the later parts of Daniel, apocalyptic and linking in with Revelation. And at the start, we see Daniel that wouldn't eat the king's food. He was one of the exiles. He was brought into Babylon uh, because the people of God had, had, had not walked well with God. And Jeremiah and Isaiah had prophesied that which would take place. And so to, some of the leaders were taken to the capital to be taught the ways of the Babylonians and almost like a university for them. And there, they were, uh, they were expected to eat the food that the king had given them. And Daniel went along with an awful lot of what took place with this foreign culture. But he would not do that. He would not defile himself, he said. He wouldn't defile himself and he wouldn't eat the king's food. And he was found to be wiser and brighter and was able to do more. And he determined in his heart that he would follow God. So will you determine in your heart when we're faced with foreign culture, which every age has, to follow God rather than the prevailing culture? He speaks to us still, does Daniel, in this book, and in a place where uh, the foreign culture was being impressed, they would refuse. So there are certain things that this culture has which will cut against the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you need to acknowledge it, you need to see it, and you need to refuse to allow that to impress upon your life. And that's the time when you will stand out. That's the time where you will face troubles and problems, when you don't go along with the prevailing culture, grab hold of the gospel, and let that influence you more than the prevailing culture. Read the scriptures more than you look at the internet. Look at the word of God and let that influence you more. And the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, the statue, resolving into different empires, the different materials of that statue that he had a dream of, and only Daniel could understand the dream. Nebuchadnezzar was going to wipe out and kill all the wise men because they were just con men. They couldn't really understand spiritual things. They just pretended that they could until one who really believed both in the material world and the spiritual world and who knew his God came on the scene and then God revealed to Daniel. He understood these things. And so you're in a world now when the material is exalted, when there's nobody really believes in 
or, or, or not in popular culture, the, 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 the spiritual, you have spiritual understanding, not in uh, uh, um, uh, uh, the way that the magicians had with their uh, 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 superstitions. He had real grounded understanding of God walking with people, and that's who you are. And then we have the furnace and the young men willing to die rather than bow down to the statues and the gods of this age. And there was one like a son of man, God with them, Jesus with them. He only turned up when they were thrown in the furnace, not before. You need to stand and be willing to stand. And it's then that Christ will turn up with you whilst through the troubles of you standing and not being willing to bow down to the gods of this culture, the gods of sex, the gods of power, the gods of uh, 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 education and uh, all these things. You stand and God will turn up and he will be with you. Are you a compromiser? Does the gain, does money influence you so much that you compromise on what you do, how you speak, how you behave, who you identify with, whether you lie or not? Are you a compromiser? Jesus himself did not compromise for you when he gave himself on the cross. There was no compromise in Christ's life. And he calls you to a complete following of him, not a half-hearted following of him. Him, Jesus, who gave his all for you, is truth and holiness the thing that drives you more than anything else? Or is it popularity and other such things? To count all loss for the sake of knowing Christ, said Paul. I count everything lost. This great intellect counted his great intellect and his great learning and everything else lost. Empty, nothing. Because he saw Christ and his eternity was with Christ. Do you see that clearly? Because Daniel saw it that clearly. Or the writing on the wall when we get to a later king. Belshazzar who'd taken over the king and, 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 and he was a, the, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. And he even, though he knew what had taken place with Nebuchadnezzar and how Nebuchadnezzar had been dealt with by God still, took the, uh, uh, um, the gold and the silver from the temple of Jerusalem and with his, his great part, he showed his great uh, exaltedness and took those treasures from the temple that were there for the worship of God and he started using them himself, showing off his greatness amongst all the people that were influential in those lands. And the writing came on the wall. You have been weighed. You have been weighed. You have been found wanting. And there was no uh, uh, let up this time. There was no going back. He'd gone too far. There was no repentance time for him. You have gone too far. You've been found wanting. And he died. He was killed that very night. There's a constant theme throughout Daniel when you have these events taking place when man or the kings or those in power come against that which is true and that is that at the end of each of them 
They come to the place very often knowing that there is a kingdom that is everlasting, that is ruling in the affairs of men. It wasn't their own kingdoms and their own empires that became important. Their own kingdoms and their own empires, they suddenly saw them as finite, not infinite, and they saw an infinite kingdom that was ruling over all, and it was above them all. And it, what that king said came to pass. And they had to come to a place of knowing that. Nebuchadnezzar himself had to get to a place where he was sent out and he became mad for a period of time until he came back to his senses again. And you can read them. Daniel 2.28, 3.28, 4.3, 4.34-35. And Darius in Daniel 6, 26 to 27, we haven't got time to read them, came to the point where they realized that there was an everlasting kingdom. Constant refrain throughout Daniel. There is a kingdom that is above all, that is ruling in the affairs of man. Be sure of it and know it. So therefore you take hold of the prevailing culture and you understand that it's not the ultimate thing that you live for. There is an ultimate that is the kingdom of God that is ruling in the affairs of man. Abraham quite clearly saw it. He was going to a place, going to this place whose uh, uh, builder and architect was God himself. Paul saw it. You should see it. That there's an everlasting kingdom, therefore it puts everything in your lives into context. It is not the here and now. It is the there and then that holds your hearts. The there and then is influential and effective in the world of here and now. That's why we pray, that's why we trust, that's why we walk with Christ. But the there and then is what the reality is. No believer that you belong to an everlasting kingdom. That, that, let that encourage you. And it's based on the reality of the historical fact of the things that we can see, the things that we know, and that is that Christ died and Christ rose for an, to an everlasting life and his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. He will never die. He can never die. He died and rose again because he was sinless. He died for our sins. He rose. And the everlasting kingdom is an everlasting life and it's Jesus Christ who is forever. He was and he is, and he is to come. There is no time when he was not. All things were created through him and for him. You came to faith. You came to faith by the power of the Spirit working in your heart, revealing to your Christ, revealing to your own need. And your Father is in heaven, and your faith should be set secure there. There is a day when every knee will bow to Jesus Christ and every tongue confess that he is Lord. I trust that that's the position that you're in now. I was at a funeral just the other week and as they were committing the body to the grave, they said, look, we'll commit the body 
but we do not commit the soul because that person was a believer and when she was a young person, she'd already committed her soul to Jesus. We don't need to commit the dead body soul to the Saviour. That is a done deal. We commit the body to the ground. Is your soul committed to Christ the Saviour? Have you come to that point where you've realised that you are a sinner in the sight of God? And that by his mercy and his love he's done everything to deal with your sin. There's nothing you can do to deal with it. It's not up to you to sort yourself out with your goodness. Christ has died for you and so you can be secure in your eternity. Are you secure in it? Have you turned from your sin? And I would say you must. You have to. You've got to. Chapter 7, we're starting with Daniel's vision and dreams and we passed over, we didn't read the first bit and in the first bit there are four winds. You can read it later and four beasts. And the winds are usually pictures of things being troubled, things that are troubling the world. There's disturbances and troublings and uh, 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 things that are going on like that. And then there are these four beasts. So there's this discomfort over the world. There's something discomforting. There's something frustrating that's happening. Now, usually Christians are a little bit uh, uh, uneasy in this world through all times and all ages, and we should be. It's a world that is not as it should be since the fall, since sin entered it. It's disturbing and it's troubling. We have and we look for a better world. But there are troubles and disturbances taking place and these winds are troubling all over the whole of the earth, the four corners. But over all this, there is heaven's victory. Be sure it's not a sign just of these great disturbances will happening happen and so, well, that's a great big problem. It's No, it's disturbances will happen and I'm letting you know for a reason so that you'll be aware, but the victory is already secure. Our God rules in the affairs of man. The world will always have its troubles, will always be in trouble, will always have its upheavals taking place. Wars and rumours of wars. You know, we can look at our own times and uh, uh, if we lived in other times, there would be other things that we'd be able to talk about. We can look at these, these wars and rumours, this sort of everlasting war that seems to be taking place in Ukraine and the thing that's taking place in Israel and these other things that are taking place with Yemen and these other things that are taking place in other parts of the world and they're causing fears and disturbances and economic w troubles and problems and do we go to, to, to Bitcoin and electronic currency and the controls that are taking place and what's happening here? There are things that concern our minds. But there is a higher kingdom, an everlasting kingdom that still rules. God has not handed the world over. And then we have these beasts that are empires, powers, ones that come upon the earth causing problems. And we could look back and see the problems that empires have eventually caused. And some of these beasts have human traits, the first and the last. Specifically, one, the first one had like this heart of man when he stood up on his hind legs, this beast. And then, then the last one was, was sort of a cyborg. He had a, a metal teeth and this humanity and the eyes, seeing eyes. They perceived like people. 
that's what's taking place. These kingdoms have within them humanity because they're human-based. There are humans in them. There are humans dealing with them. There might be the influence of Satan on them, but they are humanity that in sinfulness will always go towards a breakdown because sin does that. It doesn't get better. It only gets better for you or anyone else when you come to Christ, who's dealt with it all. So you've got these beasts that are disturbing. But look at heaven. God, our God, our Christ, he's always ruling. And you say, well, uh, so what to me? These are apocalyptic. That's why we read from 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians was written for the early believers. And it was important that the early believers knew and were aware. It wasn't just for something in the future. It was for something they were living through and something that was going to be coming. And so they wanted the early believers to be aware that these powers and these structures are all about them and they were part of a different kingdom, a victorious kingdom, so they could be happy and content and uh, confident in God, even though externally the world was in trouble. And it would continue to be in trouble because there is a power in this world that's influencing or infecting humanity, which is a sinful heart, that will bring about, through their own pride and arrogance, rules and systems that are destructive. <clears throat> Our God is not going to be victorious. Our God is victorious. He was victorious. He is victorious. He always will be victorious. There is nothing that can assail him. It's based on the risen Jesus who defeated Satan in time at that cross of Calvary, but we know he's the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world, so it's eternal, Christ's rule is. And further, the saints also rule with him. You are called as you live holy and godly lives, to be ruling with him through all the difficulties and all the troubles that come upon you because you're living godly lives and you are the representation or God's dealing with this earth through his church whose hope and security is tied together with heaven's rule. Do you see yourselves at that, in that position? Because that should give you confidence to live godly no matter what the consequences are in this world. Because your hope is in Christ, in God. You are in him. So no matter how scary or insecure life seems to become, in Daniel 7, 9 to 12, we, wrote, we read about, and I'll, I'll, I'll go back to it, as I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. 
His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So we have this ancient of days that's on the throne, that the final godless empire was wiped out by the one that was sat upon the throne. And we read out those passages from Revelation that picture the same one. And in Revelation, you get both this sense of the father doing the same thing as the Son, sharing the same rule. When you go through those passages, you can pick them both out, this ancient of days. But there is a general picture here. All authorities and rules and kingdoms and powers of this earth are tainted with sin. From Babel until now, at Babel, the Tower of Babel, God says, he looked down and he said, now there is nothing that man cannot do in his own imagination. In his arrogant and proud, he could remove God and control everything himself. The control and the exaltation was man. That's why you get the number 666, the number of the beast. It's man, man, man. It's man exalting himself. Satan uh, uh, inspiring this exaltation of man, this great arrogance and pride that's in our hearts, really, that when we come to Christ, that's died. We have the tendency to arrogance and pride still. So be careful when it throws itself up within your own life. It needs coming against. But these kingdoms don't humble themselves. Nebuchadnezzar was humbled by God. God humbles people. He doesn't exalt the proud. He humbles the pride, proud. He exalts the humble. So when you come to Christ, it's because you no longer have confidence in yourself or your own ability to be good or nice or holy. You realize that no matter how hard you try, you are just not nice. You know, you look nice to me. You're better than me, okay? We're okay. We're cool with that. But you are not nice, not compared to Christ. In fact, you're not nice at all, really. Internally, deep down. And we are broken. And we are thankful that we can come and acknowledge our brokenness because we see Christ who accepts us and forgives us and takes us into his arms with all that brokenness. That's where our hope is. They were proud. And this pattern is the same. There are little antichrists that come. There are little antichrists that try to set themselves up. You can go through whether you want to talk about Hitler or Stalin or whether you want to talk about Alexander the Great or other such things. They, they want to set themselves up in their own kingdoms. And they will never continue. There's always a limit to them because they are, they are sin-soaked, if I can say. They're cut a people-based. The best kingdoms, if you want to put it that way, the best uh, 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 
groups of power or influence are those that actually acknowledge the living God. The best countries, the, the, the bigger blessings that people have are those that acknowledge their own brokenness and actually start to look to the word of God to be their rule or their standard of right and wrong and laws and things like that. And they look to that both in the making of the laws and the application of the laws and actually the effects of that within the hearts of their own people. Those places are blessed by God for longer periods of time, I could say. We can even, even see this taking place in the church. I mean, it took place very clearly in the Catholic Church where, the, where, where man exalted himself within a system called the church and really that was what was taking place. He was getting prouder and richer and exalting himself and the people themselves weren't being led to God and weren't being led to Christ who is the saviour at all. But man who thinks he knows better, kingdoms, ideologies... Arrogant, proud, greedy, selfish, always wanting more, eventually leading to violence and anger. Wanting more from everywhere else, justifying ourselves for that greed because we're people and we should have the right because we have the power. And they want it under their own control in the end. But God's kingdom is built on one who stepped down, and one who humbled himself, even to death on the cross. And he was holy, and he is holy, and he forever will be holy. And he gave himself for you, and was raised up into an everlasting life, and so you can share the life of the Holy One of God who loves, and is not phased by all the powers that man uh, exalts himself uh, to be. It's built on better promises. It's holy. The king is all-powerful. And so he's reflecting on the heavenly all the time. And Daniel's seeing that. And you, the church, are Christ's ambassadors here. You are that reflection of the heavenly here to the people around and about you. You do that when you live. As you should live. Recognizing both your brokenness but also the forgiveness of God in you. So you can deal with people on a far better basis with a far more loving and compassionate heart, you're Christ's ambassadors. You have everlasting life. You are believers. You are constantly living, as it were, in touch with heaven. That's where you are, with a, vic with a place of victory. The church doesn't seek earthly power. It doesn't seek to build a utopia on earth. It never will be here. The other isms try to do that, to bring in a world domination because they think it's a utopian ideal. There's no utopia in the heart of sinful man. Our hope is in heaven where everything has been dealt with. This world is going to end. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Don't put your hope in it. Don't put your hope in it. The similarities are clear between Daniel 7, 9 and 10 and Revelation 1, 13 to 18. The Ancient of Days and Christ Jesus showing us that Christ himself is divine. I and the Father are one. The picture's clear. And in Revelations 12, 11, we come across believers, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's our victory. 
Christ's blood covers us. Our testimony is of him not loving their lives even unto death. I mean, it's really quite strong stuff to hear that. You know, in, in, in a world where we're trying to push death as far away from us as we can, the early believers did not love their lives even unto death, and it was a common experience of death. And it's been sanitized to us, but it was not sanitized. And he's made us kings and priests, and she will, we will reign on the earth. We will be saints. The saints will judge the world, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 to 3. 2 Timothy 2, 12, if we endure, we will reign with him. The exalted position of believers, see heaven, see things from heaven's view. Have your confidence, hope and insurance based there. Daniel shows the politics of the world in quite strange ways. See, Nebuchadnezzar, the first king, had ultimate power. He had power over life and death. When Nebuchadnezzar said, you die, you died. When Nebuchadnezzar said, you can live, you lived. That was it. Ultimate power. Now, later on, when Darius came, he didn't have such power. You remember that Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, and Darius didn't want him to be thrown. He'd been tricked into giving that law. And when Darius was, and Darius, he was up trying to find a way through the law to stop it. It wasn't like Nebuchadnezzar that just said, look, I said that and that's the way it's going to happen. It wasn't based in the man. It was based in the law of the Medes and Persians. And the law of the Medes and Persians couldn't be changed. We had the rule of law coming in. Now, okay, the two different cultural influences, the kingdom one, ultimate power in the one man here, the rule of law. Rule of law was in, in that historical time. And Darius didn't have the power. And so there was a, a, an issue that people start to be led by the rule of law, and that's very often the case nowadays. In most places, we go to the rule of law. Some of you are reading about these things and the different t styles and types of law that are in different countries and different places and how they actually use those laws. Remember, though, when you pattern your culture on God's laws, there is a blessing there. When you don't have the influence of the holy God and the law that they took was that which was in the Old Testament, when they didn't take their pattern from God's ways and God's nature, then they become more and more man-centered. And when Israel was walking well with God, was walking on obedience, God blessed them, when they came against him and started to go into idolatrous ways, then God removed his hand from them. He used them in a special way to discipline them. But the picture is the same. When you personally align yourself with the word of God, then externally you might lose, but internally there would be blessings on your life. There has to be. It's the way in which God... Well, that's not saying that you're going to justify yourself by keeping the law of God. It's just seeing that the blessings are because God is holy and you align yourselves with that because once you're saved, you want to. You see these things as good from the hand of a loving Father. Now, in Re the final... Just in, in Daniel 23 to 27, okay, let's just quickly look at that again. Thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth which shall be different from all the kingdoms, 
and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arrive and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones and shall put down three kings. Now you can talk about who the kings will do. I'm not getting into those details. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law and they shall be given into his hand for a time, time and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Now Daniel was greatly troubled. He was greatly troubled by the distress that was coming on the earth through these things. He was concerned about the peace of Jerusalem. That's what Daniel was concerned about. And he was concerned about how that influenced Jerusalem. And he was greatly troubled in his heart and he wanted to know what it meant. But you have this great beast that was eventually taken out. The final evil was defeated. But in verse 25 you see him being exalted. He speaks words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Later on they became the rulers. But think and shall think to change the times and the law. See? What's taking place here? There are times when godlessness seeks to change the law. See? Change the law. Times and the law. Change the laws. And laws are changed to suit the imaginations and the desires of man now. There's no barrier it's what's in the heart of man that generates these laws for himself. So abortion becomes good. And the laws that restrict it are removed. And it's encouraged. And if you want to say same-sex marriage, the laws come in to encourage that. Or no marriage at all, no laws that will restrict adultery you're not even allowed to say it's bad. Because when you do, you're emotionally hurting somebody. The laws are changed. Every law that is for the benefit of humanity and mankind are changed. Divorce becomes good. It becomes easy. Living together outside marriage is encouraged. Drug taking is accepted. So much so that it's not just a pandemic. I mean, people are saying it's good. It's right. Don't say it's wrong. Allow people to engage in it as much as they want. The laws are changing. But the laws that relate to the rich getting richer are encouraged. The oppression of the poor becomes a pandemic. The rich are helped and the poor are opposed. The laws are changed. Euthanasia is popularized and laws come in that allow people to be euthanized. It starts with just the very old or those that are in extreme pain in cancer to now young children in some countries, and I forget what the age limit is, but it's very low, it's about 11 or 12. If you're feeling depressed, you can ask for euthanasia and they will very uh, uh, happily allow that to take place and it's expanding 
uh, uh, massively the amount of people that are choosing euthanasia. So the world became a miserable place because of the laws of man, and then the pain that people face because of that causes them not to want to live anymore. Because they don't have the gospel. And your job is to take this gospel to people which is full of hope and full of joy and full of assurance. And you're called to be there. The natural is being changed and it's becoming unnatural. The arrogant and harmful and sin-exalting laws. Be aware of the signs. Just be aware. And don't buy into the influences. And hold on to Christ and know where you are. But don't fear. Be aware. Don't lose faith. You look from heaven. Know that these things will come. Those I can need you to know that these things will come. Be aware. But be aware that you're always... There was this old children's song that used to go on the victory side, on the victory side. No fear can haunt me. No foe can daunt me, was it? I can't quite know. It's something like that. The rhyming words. But you're on the victory side, okay? Get hold of it. Daniel was troubled, okay? You've got to be troubled as a Christian. You've got to be troubled. You've got to look and say, look, these things are troubling me. But you've also got to say, but look, our God has dealt with it all. Christ has risen and you have come to Christ and so anybody else that you can speak to can also come to Christ. The hope that they need, you might not be able to change the laws and change this and that and the other, but you can bring the hope of the gospel to play on their lives and you can live in the way that the gospel describes and people will notice it and see it and see that you don't carry the guilt that they carry or the disturbance that they carry. So be sure in your hearts that you're in Christ, ruling with him that great exalted position that you as believers have. Are you ready? Are you in Christ's kingdom now? Let's sing the last song. Um, We have got a hymn.